Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. Have you ever, ever wondered, wondered, wondered what it, what it, what it would be like to see the evil man Well, Chris, guess what? People can. April 29th, 2022 at 9 p.m. at Comedy Bar in Toronto. That's right. For the first time ever, Chris Locke, James Hartnett, and Michael Balazzo will be recording an Evil Men podcast episode live on stage in the Comedy Bar main space. Of course, that is at 945 Bloor Street West, Toronto, and you can get tickets at comedybar.ca. Oh! That's Friday, April 29th, at 9 p.m. Evil Men Live! Live! Brought to you by The Bank. Evil! Evil! Hello, everyone, and welcome back, back, back to another episode of... Evil the Ace of Spades. <laughs> yeah. Um, how's it going? So, uh, I just uh, stepped in here, but it's me, James, and we've got Chris, and we've got Mike, and I think for the first time, other than over Christmas, we missed. We missed an episode last week. We did. We miss. Uh, we missed Christmas, and I guess we missed the week before Easter. <laughs> oh yeah. You know oh, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we just follow the Catholic holiday mm-hmm. calendar, yeah. and that's just what we do. Yeah. You know the song "Holiday" by mm-hmm. Madonna. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that about being Catholic? I think so. Celebrate, celebrate. Jesus Christ. Um, I thought it was about Arbor Day. (laughs) Holiday. Is Arbor Day about trees? I think it is about trees. Arbor Day is just American, right? We don't have Arbor Day. Yeah, we don't have have trees. We have Simcoe Day here in Ontario. We have Simcoe Day. We've got Family Day. Uh, Those Mm -hmm. are the holidays Americans wouldn't be able to, and no offense, they wouldn't be able to wrap their goddamn minds around. No, (laughs) sorry guys. We love you, but you wouldn't get it. Um, The reason we missed last week's episode wasn't my fault. Tell you that it wasn't Chris's fault. Ah, uh, no, it was, was Mike's mine. fault. Twas because... me, twas me, listeners. It's me. Why did you? Why did you make us miss an episode, Mike? So I decided that I needed to shake things up in my life. Things were going a little too well. I was having a bit too much fun. Um, my immune Holiday. system. You're famously, you're famously yeah. happy at all times. <laughs> and you know my uh, my health was a bit too uh, rude. <laughs> and I decided to finally, after two years, contract COVID nineteen, uh, <laughs> so that it synced up both with Easter and my birthday. <laughs> Holiday. So today is both Easter Sunday and my actual birthday, and I'm celebrating by hanging out, fighting off a virus created by the CIA, and doing a great <laughs> podcast with my friends. And you said that your skeleton hurts. So I'm congested. You can hear my voice. Sounds a little sicker than usual. Um, I've got goo in the throat, goo in the nose, goo in the head. I'm coughing occasionally, and last night I couldn't sleep because my skeleton hurt. But aside from that, 
you know, nothing's going to stop me. Well, you know who else loves Coffin? Dracula. Yeah. Oh. What? <laughs> no, it's true. Hey, happy birthday, Mike. Yeah, Thanks. happy. Uh, I hope happy that birthday. at least cheers you up a bit. My no, goodness, you've had it rough. What the hell? The Dracula joke really is making my day. And it's great to see you two again here. Now, Mike, I've got to ask, you know, speaking of you're talking about you have goo here, goo there. Yeah. Speaking of goo, what's the dating scene like when you have COVID? Oh, there's a whole COVID underworld of uh, there's there's uh, Tinder goo, there's Hinge goo, there's Bumble goo, and it's just people who are coughing and uh, spitting <laughs> up and and feeling unwell who are looking to hook up or to have serious long term relationships. Yeah. Is it and like I guess, a goth rave? And yes. You have to meet people in back rooms, like exchanging <laughs> goo and stuff, while like well, music like this plays. <laughs> and people are like wearing like. High heel leather boots, mm-hmm. leather trench coats, and purple <laughs> hair and stuff like that. Absolutely. And I guess when you, when a funny joke, Mike, could be when you jizz to be like, no, wait a second. There's goo down there, and there's also goo in my nose and in my, you know, chest. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but also, like, does COVID make your orgasm hurt, or can you still enjoy an orgasm with COVID? Um, Okay. Uh, I didn't think we were going to go here for this this episode, but holds barred podcast. It doesn't hurt or feel enhanced, but uh, it it is much louder. uh, And that's all I'll say. So it sounds like when you have an orgasm, your penis also coughs. It was loud. I need a a fisherman's friend, buddy. That's what it says. Then you smush one into it. Yes. Um, you, does your is your penis <laughs> when when you have COVID? Does your penis? It took, it took us have a almost five minutes to get here. <laughs> yeah, but people don't talk about this in the news. I know, I know. You know, like we're doing investigative journalism. Absolutely. Here. Like, does your penis? Yeah. Wear like a turtleneck and have like a beanie toque rolled up on its head, and it looks like yeah. an old. Because he said fisherman's friend, so I pictured it. Mm-hmm. Having like sort of like a Atlantic Ocean type of cough and cold and I'd say that my penis these days looks like Captain Highliner <laughs> and he he's seen a lot of things out on the sea. He could tell you stories that would turn your hair white and he's a rugged mm-hmm. kind of guy who the kind of guy they don't make much anymore. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well um they don't sorry, make fish ahead. sticks as much anymore. No, they stopped. I love fish sticks. Um, well, now this yeah. this is maybe a bit mean, but Mike, um, I don't know if you caught someone when we tweeted out that we were missing an episode because someone had COVID and kind of alluded to the fact that it was you. Yes. One guy did tweet at us like, wait, it wasn't the two guys who were traveling? <laughs> yes. Who got COVID? And no. I, I saw that and I that... I've also been mad about that. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you guys. You no, guys, it was the guy who was definitely more careful than either Chris. James, you've been on a, an, a never-ending series of vacations for the past yeah. year. Chris, you just took a little vacation with your family, uh, yeah. and somehow I, the one who stayed put in goddamn Toronto, am the one who is infected with this cursed disease. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know it's what? Like, uh, I'm not really religious, life. but it sounds like God hates you well you know he's got his reasons and i'm not going to uh to challenge them but i'll tell you one thing i tested positive on tuesday and i was feeling feeling kind of low and uh i celebrated the first night of having covid by watching 
on Netflix, the brand new two-part documentary about British serial pedophile Jimmy Savile. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike, you should have saved that for your birthday. You know, I, I was Why going would to. <laughs> do it too soon. You love that kind of content. Yeah. He's an evil man. Yes. and Well, we got to watch the documentary first and then, you know, we can't prejudge. Yeah. Uh, you guys should watch it. It's how uh, was it? So, oh, it was, I, it was I amazing. Know. I was clapping and cheering and off. I was up out of my seat. Okay. The uh, Jimmy Seville two part documentary is your The Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you were like really excited about it and following its production over the last yeah. two years on Twitter. I was bummed. Like, well, some guys yeah. are, are sort of talking, tweeting about Ghostbusters and Spider Man mics. I, mics doing it I was that. looking forward to camping out overnight uh, to see it on IMAX, but, uh, but I was sick. Sometimes oh, uh, Michael posts a photograph of uh, him on Twitter with his feet up on his coffee table, a bowl of uh, Hawkins cheesies and a scotch <laughs> on the rocks with uh, the Jimmy Seville documentary keyed up on the TV. And he's just writing, ah, the end of a hard work week. Really excited to kick back. <laughs> But, and watch this. Yeah, it's uh I mean you see it in the it's like a the common joke when people see him is like how did people not know and then when you watch this and you see all the all the facts laid out over the decades and all the interviews and his behavior yes you walk away from it going how did people not know. <laughs> yeah, I saw one clip of it. I saw one clip of it when I was scrolling through Netflix. And the clip was him in an interview from like, yeah, the 70s or 80s or something. He's like talking about being mean to little girls and feeling guilty about how much he, how much we, everybody hurts little girls and we have to be nicer. And it's so weird. Like, how would you watch that and be like, I don't hurt little girls. Yeah. But he was like using the royal we, like we all have to do better. You're watching it like, okay, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Wait, what? But even the interview was like. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, trying to like figure out what the fuck he's talking about. Well, there some of the <laughs> some of the most most harrowing details are about him because uh, he was so famous. I guess in the UK, he did a lot of charity work, and <clears throat> as a result, he uh, was like given keys and places to stay in a bunch of hospitals around the country and he also volunteered for decades as a hospital porter and so they show this one sequence where it's like yeah if people would arrive at the hospital in an ambulance from like a car accident or something he would help them get into the hospital and just imagine being in like a car wreck and you're like your spine's broken and you're bleeding and you're like Mm -hmm. you know between life and death and you the ambulance doors open and the first face you see is Jimmy Savile going like, we're going to make you okay. Yes, then. Yes, then. Or whatever. Oh, God. Damn. That'd be, I'd be like, put me back in the broken car. Yes. Wow. So if that's the worst part. I also, you got to admit, guys, so this is just a random thought. The worst part about getting in a car accident is the broken car, right? Cars are beautiful well, machines. If you're a gearhead, yeah. yes. You know, I, I like F1 and, and it makes, that's the worst part for me. Yeah. I like F1 too. And like, yeah, man, those things are pretty combustible, eh, James? Oh, yeah. 
So, so yeah. So Mike, great. You, well, were you not in person? We're using Zencaster, and I, I can't. I don't tell. I can't tell the difference with the energy levels at all. No, I feel no, like it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good. I feel like we're all in the same room right now talking about uh, the dead pedophile Jimmy Savile. <laughs> um, we were talking about this off uh, off pod before, but this is the weekend of. Uh, it's aside from being Easter and my birthday, which are two huge holidays. Uh, it's also the weekend of Coachella, and uh, Chris, you were sharing some videos of a certain huge mega act <laughs> that's playing at Coachella this uh, this spring. Um, it's uh, none other, none other than the film and TV composer Danny Elfman. Yes, the mad composer who makes circus music for TV <laughs> and film. Uh, yeah, they they got like a, he got a whole orchestra at Co- what, what is Coachella is it supposed to not be cool <laughs> that's what I don't get like is that it's thing is like don't do drugs here don't party this is not supposed to be cool it's more supposed to be like a piano recital at your grandparents have <laughs> like they got Danny Elfman on stage he's got long red hair no shirt on and like He's like buff. covered in tattoos, which I assume he got when he heard that he was going to be at Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> like they probably were like, do you want to do Coachella? And he's like, oh, God, I need 20 tattoos on my chest. <laughs> um, what has he? I know he did the Simpsons theme, but I really don't know anything else he's done. <gasps> Nightmare. What? Nightmare before He's done Christmas. all the music for the Tim Burton movies. Lots of oh, okay. television yeah. theme show songs. But, the, you but yeah, like there's another clip. Another clip I sent to our, our message group was uh, singing the this is Halloween. This <laughs> is Halloween. 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 And like people... I just imagine just people headbanging to that, like a song from Nightmare Before Christmas. Like it's just like, uh, I don't know. It's like when you, it's as it's as cool as like, you know, Disney on Ice. Like, are you gonna fucking buy tickets to go see? I don't know. Do acid and camp out watching Disney on Ice. Like, I don't know what was, the hell's going on. I here. was like, I'm I'm glad it didn't happen, but I was laughing about the idea of. If say like Danny Elfman and his orchestra are playing the Simpsons theme song and the audience is like grooving to it, and you know so what? What if there had been a sort of Altamont situation where a guy was, <laughs> like, <laughs> someone was killed in the crowd during you know during the Simpsons theme or the theme to uh, Big Top Pee Wee or something? You know what I mean? <laughs> dun, 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 stop the music! <laughs> yeah. A guy's been stabbed by a Hell's Angel. And then they show Danny Elfman in the like uh, in the edit studio, like in Gimme Shelter, when they're just showing him the up close footage of the stab, and he's just he can't believe it (laughs) yeah it's like i played this simpsons theme song to everybody at coachella to bring everybody together and unite them in peace and harmony how can someone get you know stab another person to death right at the part where lisa stands up in music class and plays the saxophone solo (laughs) danny why did you hire hell's angels as security (laughs) imagine like a, but a picture like a tall, scraggly, like Freak Brothers, Robert Crumb esque sort of like character of a drug addled hippie, like opening a bag of pills for you to take while, like, you know, a 60 year old man with red hair and no- tattoos is going, This is Halloween. Everybody <laughs> come and scream, Halloween, Halloween. And it's like, dude, 
take this. Wait till he gets to, yeah, the theme song to Beetlejuice. Wait till the drop. <laughs> Imagine it was like, yeah. and on the side stage, the guy who wrote the score for As Good As It Gets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the uh, main stage at Coachella. And then you hear like, do dirt. You guys might not know this, but when I was a kid, the Nightcore theme song was so heavy. Absolutely. Man. I still, if I, whenever I think about the Nightcore theme, I stop, I take 30 seconds, and I go through the whole thing in my head. <laughs> Man, were you guys in the pit for Hans Zimmer last night? <laughs> 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 what the fuck is going on? No, but... um. Honestly, uh, the guy, uh, Jack Elliott, who wrote the Night Court theme, is wow, you know uh, who it is? coming to Toronto this summer. <laughs> and uh, oh, I got three tickets for the three of us. And I also got like a huge bag of shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he plays that last. It would be a bummer if he plays the Night Court theme first. Well, yeah. I hope he opens with it and closes with so, it. Yes. We have to get the set And, list. and then the yeah. middle is just a big Night Court theme jam. <laughs> they just have a trial. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got Bull over there. You got Harry behind the bench. And don't forget John Larrikin. Yeah. The pervert man. <laughs> Marky Post. You'd, I mean, yeah. I creepy, but she was a babe. No, Marky it's not Post. creepy. To, mm-hmm. It's not creepy, James, for you to say that. This is beautiful. Halloween. Yeah. Hey, James. So. As I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, you're on this year, 2022 is your year. You've been calling it sort of the never-ending vacation. And you <laughs> made a promise to yourself that you were going to visit every continent uh, yeah. in 2022. And you're, you're well underway. <clears throat> and recently, you just came, mm. came back from the Caribbean uh, island nation of Antigua. How was that? Did you have a nice Very time? Very true. It was really nice. And I mean, uh, yes, you know, uh, definitely traveled a lot this year. But you know what? Why not? You know, maybe I'll have kids someday and I won't be able to travel. You, so you kept I'm trying that to like up. You're like, you're always like, this in. brought up kids as your sort of um, uh, justification for you traveling. You're always like, you know, anytime now, a kid could show well, up. Well, maybe it's because every time I'm like, I'm going away, I just deal with this <laughs> jealousy from bitter Michael that it's like, I feel like I have to justify myself, even though I definitely don't, certainly not to you. Anyway, I'm cool with Antigua it. was yeah. very nice. Yeah, clearly. Jesus. Antigua was great. Now, here's an interesting thing about Antigua. <laughs> Eric Clapton lives there. Whoa. So he was born there. And I was detected a bit of an accent with Eric Clapton. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure it's his birth island, but mm. he uh, apparently is very popular there because he created a rehab center <laughs> and the locals get to go for free. So I guess the lesson is people are nuanced. Right. He's a dink yeah, but about you know why some that's things, bad. and I guess he's a nice guy about other things. No, he's yeah. not a nice guy. because So the people of Antigua are like, wrong. Yes, because here's the thing. They might not need to go to rehab, but now they're inspired to get a drug addiction to have a connection to Eric Clapton. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Eric Clapton yeah, is a, a piece big, of shit. If you were a big rock fan... It would be tempting because it yeah, is Yeah, you'd free. be like, I got to get some heroin so I could go to this rehab. And that will be my connection to slow hand. <laughs> <laughs> if you were hoping to get discovered. Cream is good. not the worst idea. But cream is pretty 
is decent, but the re- I hate Eric Clapton. And you said, James, that wow. he's also like said racist things at concerts, yeah. which is insane because it's like yeah. you stole your music and style and everything yeah. right. from the old bluesman, stupid. Yeah, he really likes to have it both ways, it seems, Mr. Clapton. Yeah. 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 Sorry, James. You said, James, that... I'm not going well, to give him the rehab thing. <laughs> okay, I'm just telling you the perspective <laughs> of the of the Antiguan people, so I'm simply a messenger on you that. You said that Pete Townsend also... Yes, down there? there is another guy who's also a really good guy. Pete Townsend lives there too. No, I'm wondering, do you think he has a computer down there in Antigua as well? <laughs> um, I think it's a great question. I mean, Antigua I had Wi-Fi. to write his book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he probably has a whole mainframe down there. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how far you know uh, British or American law. Uh, you know, if the I don't think the cops can go down to another country. Is there so. extradition from Antigua to America? That's a great question. UK. I wonder. I don't know. I don't. Antigua know. is like a mini Thailand, by the sounds <laughs> of it. <laughs> uh, oh, and that one other guy lives down there. <laughs> Who's that? One other guy, <laughs> Mister Bond. No, Sean? not Sean Connery. Sean Connery lives there? No. Take another guess. Uh, Roger Moore? No. Ma- Ra- D. Craig? No. <clears throat> uh, Idris Elba? No. Timothy Dalton? Yes. Dolly! The Dolly's best down there. Bond. Hmm? <laughs> the best Bond out of yeah, all Yeah, absolutely. From The Living Daylights? Was he in that one? Mm-hmm. License to Kill and Living Daylight. Right. Wow. So banana, banana. You got Dolly. You got Townsend. You got Clapton. Yeah. So there's it's, three famous dudes down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And That's apparently really awesome, they had man. one of the best cricket players ever, and there was a statue of him at the airport. I forget his name, but there's a really top tier cricket player from wow. Antigua too. So. Now, when That's you were there. Awesome. Was any part of you like, oh, I need to, uh, mm, I need to score a little bit of heroin while I'm here <laughs> so I can finally meet Mr. Eric? Um, the thing is, I'm already, I'm already uh, desensitized to it. So the amount right. I'd have to take to, to actually to believe I need rehab was like just too much. So I was like, it's going to take me all, it's going to take me longer than the trip, right? To consume that amount of heroin, that anyone would go, oh, you seem a bit off because I'm just. So used to it day to day. High tolerance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I I did go on a boat and the, you know, it's like a little tour and the, the guy's like, hey, look at that. Look at that. That's this island. That's that island. And he did point out <laughs> Eric Clapton's house and I saw his house. Was it beautiful? Yeah. He he imported, according to the tour guide, he imported the stones to build his house from, from Scotland. Huh. That's... So that must have been not expensive. Yeah, <clears> but. You know, yeah. he's rich, right? Well, you tell me. I I, I don't know. But. I'm just trying to think about it, though. Why don't like, you know? He Well, you asked me, and I'm just saying, who knows? What in the fuck? I'm thinking about Eric Clapton, though, and, like, I guess Cream had hits, and he, like, uh, Tears in Heaven was huge, and Cocaine was a big hit, but is he, like, mega super rich? Like, I know he's well regarded as, like, a fucking blues player but is he that extremely rich i feel like i mean i obviously don't know but i feel like any musician who's that famous it says like his net head, worth here is 
450 million. What? Holy shit. Um, I was going to say in my head he has like 30 million in the bank, but I guess I might like, look he's wonderful so tonight. Famous. Was another hit of his, but like he doesn't. Layla, did you say Layla? I That's didn't say Layla, one. but like it doesn't seem like he's one of those guys like Elton John who's like, oh, you have clearly you have like a hundred hits that everyone but, knows. You know, if you think of like every dad. I refuse. Of guys our age, they all <laughs> they all probably have cre- cream of Clapton CD. You know, yeah. Like I bet everyone listening, I bet seventy yeah. percent of your dads have that CD and some. Moms I just too. don't want him to have all that nice stuff. I hear yeah. you. Maybe he'd be a good evil man. It's weird. I was going to say we are talking about a lot of uh, different evil men in the intro of this episode. Mm-hmm. True. We've talked about a ton of evil men. Yeah, very true. Beep, beep. (laughs) Well, guys, before we get to our evil man, which I'm excited about, Mike is doing it this week, and I always feel like uh, we learn a lot when Mike... Mike gets in the... opens the books and... Thank you. Plus, it's a nice treat for the listeners to hear a lot of my sick, cracked voice. (laughs) (laughs) We picked a perfect week for you to lead the show. Yeah. Um, But before we get to that... um, it would be insane for me not to mention that we have a Patreon account and it's real and it's beautiful. It's at patreon.com slash evil men. And if you go, you can sign up, you get at least two bonus episodes a month. We're making posts, we're getting DMS and we're writing back and we're having all these fun times and people are writing stuff. And people are sliding we get, we take, into our DMS and we're not yes, even mad about we it. Encourage it. We welcome it. There's plenty of room for everyone to slip and slide and splash around in there. <laughs> exactly. And um, uh, we take suggestions for evil men topics on there. We take suggestions for topics for bonus episodes on there. Yes. So uh, if you really like the show, you should check it out. I think you would. I think you'd love it. So that's uh, patreon.com slash evil men. And uh, if you can't do that, you could uh, maybe rate us and review us would uh, would help. Um, and there's one other little, little uh, what would you call it, Mike? Housekeeping thing. One, huh? one little piece of housekeeping that we have still up our <laughs> sleeves. Yeah, we've got the duster out and the vacuum. And that is that uh, the three of us are doing a live show. April 29th, 2022, at Comedy Bar in Toronto, 945 Bloor Street West. Now, we're still still figuring out the nuts and bolts of this show, but <laughs> I, I know it's going to be fantastic, and uh, I know you guys will have a great time, and uh, it'll be fun, you know, it'll be a, a big, giant, fun, evil man party. So, if you're in Toronto, check it out, April 29th. Mike, you can buy tickets on the comedy bar website, right? Comedybar.ca, go on the calendar for April 29th, click the goddamn mm-hmm. button, buy the fucking tickets and then have a nice time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Show up, have yourself a drink, uh wear a mask if you feel comfortable. Uh I know that I'll be wearing it uh except when I'm on stage. Really? During the show. I'll be wearing it on stage and I'll be behind a screen. Uh <laughs> Yes, no one will see me. Actually, shit. Yeah. It's a good thing you got COVID now yeah. because imagine we got it like right before the show. Yes. We'd have to postpone it. Yeah. You'll be fine by then, I'm sure. Yeah. So uh, that's April 29th. Check it out. So, Mike, you chose 
the evil man this week. Who did you choose? Well, before I tell you who I chose, I want you two to put your hands up where I can see them and uh, stand against the wall and spread them, fellas. Oh my God, why? Damn, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Of course, I'm just joking, but um, on a serious note, that is sort of the vibe of today's evil man, who is, of course, (laughs) the famous American villain, J. Edgar Hoover. Okay. Oh. I'm excited. I, I really don't know almost anything about him, so I'm, I'm excited to learn. I mean, I guess most people would know that he was like the, the head of the FBI. I hope you know about that, mm-hmm. at least. But uh, yes, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a man of myth, legend, and, uh, and sin, I would say. Whoa. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Delicious. Delicious stuff. And uh, hopefully this inspires some of our listeners and even some of my co-hosts to consider a law enforcement career. Um, <laughs> it's not too late to change careers. And uh, anyway, why don't I kick it off with an intro? And I do apologize for the, uh, the quality of my voice this week with COVID-19. Uh, but let it be known that I'm drinking water and I have a, a green juice Made with spinach. Which you said tastes terrible. It tastes absolutely awful. I thought it was going to be a, <laughs> a sweet drink, but it tasted like green milk, uh, watery green milk. Anyway, <clears throat> green you know what, for Mike? a uh, '90s band. Yes. Green milk. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what, Mike? Honestly, I'm listening to you. I've been studying your voice, and you don't sound too bad. So thank you. So don't a, worry. Means a lot. Yeah, right, I don't think I? you sound that bad either. <laughs> Great. Uh, so I'll just jump into the intro here of J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover was a U.S. public official who, as director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation for 48 years, so he ran it from 1924 until his death in 1972. Wow. He built the agency yeah. into a highly effective if occasionally controversial, arm of federal law enforcement. Now, I copied and pasted that uh, that li- like very brief bio, which is a little understated, I would say. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he was the head of the FBI for, for a dog's age. He was the first head and stayed until he died. Yes, he was there for his entire life, basically. I don't know if you know this, um, but did he have like a big wide butt and he wears pants really high now i attached a picture of him in the top of this google doc now we can't see Mm. his pants but i'm i'm assuming Mm. he was of that generation of like mr wilson type guys who hike their pants high pants yeah and sort of wave their conservative america high pants yes i'm googling harry truman ass harry truman oh wait i'm sorry J. Edgar no, Hoover. Sorry, J. Edgar Hoover. Oh my God. What's wrong with you? No, me? but honestly, by all means, please Google Harry Truman ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I said that, it was just a totally apropos of nothing. It's just something I was doing. I want to know uh, how big sorry. his ass was. The big the ass of the man who dropped uh, the only two nuclear bombs in history during the war. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, I'm not seeing a ton about um, J. Edgar Hoover's ass. Uh, well, maybe we'll get to the bottom of that uh, during this episode. Oh, Michael, that is an absolutely delicious pun. Yes. Boing. So, J. Edgar Hoover, he was born on January 1st, 1895, in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. itself. Oh, um, so, he, he would, he would be the, on the planet. 
and he would be the like the oldest kid in his grade, which is a huge asset um, up until about grade seven or eight. Have you guys ever been to Washington, D.C.? No. Yes. It's beautiful. You got to go. It's just the loveliest place on the whole planet. It's on my are itinerary. Being, oh, are you being sarcastic? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the, a lot of free museums. Beautiful. Okay. So, Jagger's oh early God. life. <laughs> Why are you throwing your hands in the air? <laughs> I don't know. Talk, talk this... to us, Chris. What's going no, on? No, no. Are you afraid the FBI is listening to this? Because they probably are. Yeah. And we're probably on a watch list now. Jagger Hoover, uh, his early life. His parents were Anna Marie and his father was Dickerson Naylor Hoover. Dickerson. That's an interesting name. His Naylor. Father, Naylor, yeah. His father worked for the U.S. Coast Guard as Wait, head of Dickerson Naylor. <laughs> Dickerson Naylor, yes. <laughs> sounds like a- it sounds like a porn <laughs> producer. <laughs> this has been a Dickerson Naylor production. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, his father wasn't a porn man. He actually was the chief of the printing division of the U.S. Coast Guard. So a little, a little different. Um, he was closest to his mother, who was the family disciplinarian and sort of moral, uh, moral guide. And uh, a little bit about his sort of uh, pre-law enforcement life. During high school, little J. Edgar, he sang in the school choir. He participated in the Reserve Officers Training Corps program and competed on the debate team. It's an interesting thing. My, my high school didn't have a debate team. Me neither. It was always like a trope in TV shows about having a debate team. But yes, I, I, I didn't have one either. Yeah. How about you, Chris, were you the head of your, of your school's debate team? <laughs> yeah. And we won all the time because, uh, yeah, we were just so good at debating. <laughs> you seem like a guy who's always on the verge of itching to debate hot topics with People I don't, with contrasting political viewpoints. A hundred percent. I don't like anybody <laughs> getting away with anything that I disagree with. <laughs> Whenever there's a libtard out there, you're always sort of putting it on the internet. Debate me. Debate me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll take you to school. Well, would you guys believe this about J. Edgar? That during debates, as a high schooler, little J. Edgar Hoover, he argued against women getting the right to vote and against the abolition of the death penalty and the school newspaper. <laughs> Wait, he was, he, he, he didn't want there to be a death penalty. He argued against the abolition of the death. Oh, penalty. I see. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and the school newspaper uh, applauded his quote, cool, relentless logic. So we're dealing with a sort of, we're dealing with a sort of Dylan McKay kind of high schooler here. Nice. Right. Who sounds loved like the a, death penalty. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah. like a Ben Shapiro kind of guy. That's what Where do you guys stand on the uh, death penalty. Like, huh? I kind of feel okay. I'll, I'll yeah. I'm asking, so I'll lead. But I kind of feel like it'd be awesome to have one because uh, there's too many people on the planet. Right. Oh well, you you would have you would have share an opinion with a certain Thanos. Yeah, I like Thanos. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess it's a good point. I, I yeah. mean. If you're going to really make a dent in it, though, you're probably going to have to execute a good billion or two. So. <laughs> it I don't know. I that up to you, Chris. But. Yeah. It sucks that Thanos had to find all those gems across the universe just to 
bring back the death penalty. <laughs> well, so whatever that I just like to say, unlike you two, I'm against the death penalty and I don't think it's good to kill a billion people. And I don't think it's nice to be Thanos. Oh, Mike bleeding heart, yeah, but, Mike. Yeah. But don't you hate going into the store and having to wait to select the item that you want because someone's standing in front of it for a long time? Yeah, I guess I do like the death penalty now. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Okay. See, you're the that's that debate team um talent sort of rearing its head again here. Exactly. I just crushed you. Yeah. Now, when J. Edgar Hoover was 18, he got a job as a messenger at the Library of Congress, and uh, he credited this experience with teaching him the importance of collating material, which he would use later in his career to build FBI profiles. Um, so, That's cool. yeah. He seems so to when he was been... 18, he worked at the library. Yes. He didn't want to like become a stand-up comedian or sketch comedian or improviser or start like a garage rock band or He anything. didn't move to LA because if you're American already, it's really easy just to move to LA. You know, you don't yeah, have to get a green exactly. card or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, he, no stayed he stayed in, in the Washington DC library. He reading about his life. He really was a creature of like through and through a creature of Washington DC. He's basically never left it. And he just r- wanted to rise through the ranks of, of, uh, the government there. Or, Did he ever get like an independent sort of experience with the world before he started uh, tampering with all of it? Um, A little, let me see here. I mean, not really. He went from high school <laughs> debate team being, you know, so cool, having all the girls chasing him. He went basically from the Library of Congress after high school to uh, getting his law degree and then basically entered low-level government positions and rose and rose and rose throughout his career. Yeah, he never took a year backpacking through Spain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or tree planting. Or, no. Or slept yeah. in the back of an improv theater in Montreal <laughs> in between shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sad. He did. He auditioned for Second City's touring company, Yeah, but he didn't make it past the second round of auditions, and he oh, was very bitter about that. The that's pretty harsh, sucks. because yeah. I really don't think it's hard to get in tour club. <laughs> now, while a law student, Little Hoover, I'm going to keep, I like calling him Little Hoover until he becomes the FBI. It makes uh, me think of a little cartoon character of a little vacuum. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sucking up crime. <laughs> <laughs> Sucking up crumbs of crime that are in your carpet. <laughs> um, while he was a law student, Little Hoover became interested in the career of Anthony Comstock, the uh, New York City U.S. Postal Inspector, who waged a prolonged campaign against fraud, vice, pornography, and birth control. So we can see that Hoover, right out of the gate, he's a very authoritarian mind. Uh, he's very set um, morals and uh, sort of he knows what is good and bad in the world. And he wants to enforce that uh, on the rest of the nation, if not the rest of the world. Why did he care about birth control? Was he a Catholic? I mean, if you follow the rest of his life, it doesn't seem like he's a guy who really needs to worry about birth control. J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> okay. But was so he what, Catholic? condoms? He's like, got to get rid of these. I don't know. Just some sort of obsession with. I guess he was religious and a that religious obsession with vice and uh, stopping people from from living their lives. World War One breaks out very sadly. You know, it's a tragedy. Um, 
1917, during World War I, after getting his uh, master's degree in law, he joined the Justice Department to work in the War Emergency Division. And he soon became head of the Alien Enemy Bureau, which focused on arresting and jailing disloyal foreigners without trial. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. When when was this, roughly? So this, he got the job in 1917. So it's oh, just okay. as America has, has joined uh, the, wow. the war effort in World War One. Because they didn't uh, join right away, of course. That's not, that's not how America does things. Um, and who, are you guys familiar with the, uh, the Palmer raids in, uh, just, just after world war one. So the Palmer raids, there were these series of raids in like 1919 and 1920. Um, so Hoover, he's 24 years old and he's the head of the Bureau of Investigations, new generational general intelligence division. He's obsessed with, uh, foreign disloyal agents who, they're afraid are infesting America and he's trying to, to root them out. And one of Hoover's first assignments was carrying out the Palmer raids, which the government basically, they had like lists of uh, radical socialists and anarchists and communists across the country, mostly Eastern European Jewish immigrants and Italian anarchists who had strong connections to like the, the labor movement in America and Europe. Uh, Hoover and his friends were afraid that these were like these people were going to like create a communist revolution in America uh, because this is, of course, just a, a few years after the Russian Revolution. Uh, and so there was like a, a red scare in America. And there was a lot of, uh, I guess, fears that these these weirdos from Europe were about to like change American society. So uh, about 3000 people were arrested and 556 people were deported without trial uh, to sort of rid America of these radicals. And Hoover was basically uh, carrying out th those raids. I read um, in high school, I think, I, I read uh, Ragtime. You know, the oh, yeah. Old Man River. I read the book. And weirdly, that was a lot about anarchism in the 19-teens. I wonder if there's like an overlap there. <clears throat> I think it's around that time. It's like the labor movement was very strong in America, especially in like the East Coast cities. There were anarchist bombings of uh, right. of like the robber barons, like factories or homes or whatever like that. And it's pretty it, hardcore, huh? Because like even now yeah. politics are so messed up, but I don't think I'm not really aware of people advocating for true anarchy. I mean, no. it doesn't sound good. The, the word anarchy alone, you don't go, oh, I try that although there are still some brave patriots who uh a couple januarys ago they stormed the capitol <laughs> building you know for freedom that's true you know that's true so <laughs> that's but yeah true. um hmm. moving along here uh in 21 hoover became the deputy head of the bureau of investigation a few years later he became the acting director and uh, one one neat thing he did was he fired all the female agents and banned the future practice of hiring them. So he's uh, making waves. Why? He's making friends. Um, he seemed to have a problem with women in uh, in many aspects of his life. Um, oh, okay. He was a very very traditional guy. Uh, so he was an un he was known to be an unpredictable, jealous director, and he ended the careers of any agents. That stole his limelight by arresting a like a criminal on the loose or 
uh, you know, just, just getting more ink than he was getting. Around this time, here's a funny thing. Uh, he changed his name. In 1933, Hoover learned that another man in America named John Edgar Hoover had failed to pay a debt of $900 to a store in Washington. And Hoover, I guess, was known to be a very like uh, diligent payer of bills, and he didn't want to be mistaken for this man. So he officially changed his name to J. Edgar Hoover. That is that is insane. You'd think he would have been able to like deport this man or something. Yeah, <laughs> like throw him in. That shows you're a total control freak. If someone well, I can't I have someone name- with the same name as yeah. me. <laughs> if someone did, if someone thought that I was a guy who didn't pay my bills, I'd fucking kill myself. That well, you. I mean, this Rogers bill is going to hang over my reputation as long as I live. Uh, yeah. yeah wow so he's got a lot on his plate he's changing his name he's mean to women that work for him he's deporting italians um and and jewish uh, immigrants um I, I just want to point out that i found on instagram a, a james hartnett added me and he's oh. a dj from brooklyn and i will say aesthetically we have very different tastes <laughs> and i don't change my name come on jay what is his vibe, if you could describe it in a few words? His vibe is like V-neck t-shirt. He's kind of ripped. I mean, he's handsome. I'll give him that. He uh, so, sorry, is a DJ. Your, are you clubs. describing yourself or are you describing this oh, guy? Oh, Mike, you, you now you're trying to flatter me. But, uh, you know, he's just, he's not, I don't think, I don't know that we would be get along. I mean, okay. I'm sure we'd exchange pleasantries, but I don't know that we'd be friends. And yet, I'm not changing. Have you ever met a name. Chris Locke, Chris? Well, years and years ago, someone told me to sign up for that Google notifications, like if you're being uh, written about Mm. or something. Mm -hmm. So I thought, what the heck? And I did do it. Uh, So almost daily, I get tons of notifications. Chris Locke, the detective. Chris Locke, the (laughs) sheep farmer. Chris Locke, the football star. Chris Locke, the computer whiz. All these excellent uh, articles about these way better Chris Locks coming out from all over the world all the time. Oh, wow. So there's a ton of Chris Locks and uh, a lot of sheep and crime involved with some of them. Well, I'd like to imagine that the shepherd Chris Lock also has a Google alert for the name and he gets updates like, hey, uh, yeah. Chris Lock in Canada has a, a stand-up special hitting the airwaves soon or, uh, you know, that Chris kind Locke of thing. Chris Lock in Winnipeg. The next five nights. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they do. <laughs> Once years I want ago. Them to know about me. <laughs> <laughs> years ago, a another Michael Balazzo added me on or tried to add me on Facebook, and it was just some man in the Philippines. And I, I don't think I accepted the the friend offer. Do you think he was really Michael Balazzo? I think so, because it's not a very common surname, but there are a few Balazos out there. Didn't you say that Balazzo in like Spanish means like blasted head off? Like gunshots? The shot that kills you. (laughs) A Balazzo. Yeah. That's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I was named after a gunshot that makes sure you're dead for sure. Beep, beep. (laughs) Beep, beep. (laughs) So uh, this is exciting. I think we're over the boring part of his life. It's the depression. We've got 
gangsters. We've got Bonnie and Clyde. We've got John Dillinger. We've got there's a rash of bank robberies happening because it's the damn depression. And Hoover was determined to catch uh, John Dillinger. But the Bureau's hands were tied because bank robbery was classified as a federal offense. Can you believe it? And uh, a bungled attempt that he orchestrated to catch Dillinger left an agent and a civilian dead. And things were not looking good for our hero, little, little Hoover. And he had to pull out all the stops to, to you know have a big win. Then a tip-off to an agent named Melvin Purvis led to the the famous uh, killing of John Dillinger in that movie theater in Chicago. And then suddenly Hoover was riding high again in the charts, number one song on Billboard. And the Bureau also then managed to successfully kill Machine Gun Kelly and another uh, gangster named Alvin Creepy Carpus, who I'd never heard of. And uh, that buoyed the Bureau's reputation and led led to a broadening of, of the Bureau's powers. So now... Hoover is back in the government's good graces. He's got some wins. And, and was it was that like prohibition time? That that feels like a, a, just a prime after time prohibition, for gangsters. I think I think prohibition was mostly the the twenties. Yeah, they were robbing banks during the depression. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So you could get a nice glass of beer, but uh, God help you if you were a bank teller in the thirties. You know. Yeah. Okay. Unless you were a bank teller who was also a fan of different models of Tommy guns because <laughs> then you got to see those. <laughs> so in 1935, the Bureau of Investigation renamed itself. Guess, guess what? The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI that we now know and love. Yay. Favorite domestic intelligence service. Those love big that IP. yellow letters on those Navy blue shirts. That's so awesome. It's great yes. brand. It's a great IP. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Good decision. Yeah. And, uh, by 1939, the FBI had become preeminent in the field of domestic intelligence, and this is mostly because of changes that Hoover had made. He had made uh, some reforms, uh, such as expanding and combining fingerprint files in the identification division. So he his his library skills from his job as a teen really came came in handy here, and he also compiled. Um, yeah, he compiled the largest collection of fingerprints to date at the time. So this was like revolutionary crime fighting technology. He also helped to expand the FBI's recruitment and create the FBI Laboratory, um, a division that was established in 1932 to examine and analyze evidence found by the FBI. So it's like, what's that show about the, uh, is it Manhunter? No, where it's like, before the FBI used like psych- psychology. Oh, Mindhunter. Yeah. Mindhunter. Mindhunter. So this is like the first awesome. steps towards like modern crime fighting. He was, you know, using fingerprint technology and like comparing evidence and stuff to solve crimes. It's kind of interesting. You don't really think of a time before they did that stuff. Like fingerprints and stuff. I wonder. They I guess crime not fighting figured out any crime. Be, yeah. I think I, they used to genuinely try to sniff the air around the crime like a dog. And then they would walk around the town and try to see if anyone matched that smell. Yeah. Like a dog. We're lucky now that law enforcement is so advanced that they can predict our crimes in our minds before we even commit them and right, jail with us. The use of, exactly. With the use of precogs, um, <laughs> psychics who live in a pool that yes. sense big disruptions in psychic energy, which usually is a murder. Nothing, it hasn't gone wrong yet. They haven't nope. done any wrong predictions yet. So. God, God bless 
law enforcement technology. So we talked about gangsters in the 30s. Now I'd like to talk about uh, organized crime in general, the mafia, the famous Costa no, Cosa Nostra in America. So this is an interesting thing because despite pursuing bank robbers in the 30s with a vengeance, Hoover persistently denied the existence of organized crime in America in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. This was even though there were clear cases of shootouts, racketeering, you know, fights between the families. Uh, he, during this time, focused most of his attention on communist subversion, which he was obsessed with. He was obsessed throughout his career with the idea of communists taking over America or infiltrating America. The question. So, so sorry, Mike. Oh, no. What were you going to say? Sorry. So I was just going to say, like, so was it like, uh, the mafia is like distracting uh, attention away from the communism thing. He just didn't want to have to deal with anything else. Well, it's an interesting question why the head of the FBI wouldn't pursue the mafia that was very, very active in America. And some people think that he sort of gave them uh, a free hand because the gangsters Meyer Lansky and Frank Costello had compromising photographs of Hoover that revealed a homosexual relationship with FBI Deputy Director Clyde Tolson. Oh, shit. That's a I, good scoop. Wow. Yes. That's gotcha. wild. So basically, because of this, and it's, uh, it is not 100%, but it's, it's been a rumor since those times that, yes, the, this compromise existed on Hoover. And so he basically let the mafia, you know, carry on with drug trafficking, prostitution, extortion and stuff until the late 50s when he, he sort of couldn't, couldn't ignore it any longer because things were getting a little out of hand and uh, the Wasn't papers this also he also uh, and I'm sorry if this expression is out of date but a cross dresser well we're going to get to that in a little bit cuz that oh, is tied in and you can take that out sorry no no it's it that's fine cuz it it does come up but I'll, I'll talk about it in a second but until the late 50s the mafia had yeah carte blanche to do what they wanted until there was like a well publicized crime boss meeting in 1957 uh, and then Hoover was like, fine, I can't ignore it. And he established a program called <laughs> the FBI's Top Hoodlum Program with the aim of going after the mob bosses. That's fun. Hmm. Sounds like a TV show. <laughs> yeah. America's Next Top Hoodlum. Yes. Hoover never was known to really. Ha he never married. Uh, he never had girlfriends or was like on the dating scene. And yeah, from the 40s on, rumors circulated that Hoover um, was a gay man. He still lived with his mother into his early 40s. Um, and there were these rumors that these these pictures existed of him uh, having a homosexual relationship with his deputy director. I wonder um, if there's something salacious about him chasing wild men around well, the country. You do have to wonder because he did he like if if anyone hinted or made a joke that he was gay, he tried to like ruin their life by like gathering evidence on them or call like you know outing them as gay. He was vindictive against other uh, comfortably gay men in America, but he uh, denied that he was gay, but also spent all of his time working with this guy, uh, Clyde Tolson, the, the deputy, they, they dined together every night. 
They went to nightclubs together and they vacationed together. <laughs> so, wow. Well, I mean, I'm on, uh, I go on vacations with the other voice actors on the Transformers cartoon I'm on. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's something, there's a bond we can't understand about two men who just really hate communism. And they love to spend all their time together, you know, vacationing, splishing and splashing in the water together, <laughs> feeding each other nice pieces Great. of pineapple on vacation. Yeah. They're having pina coladas, laughing about how good capitalism is. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a biography called Official and Confidential, The Secret Life of J. Edgar Hoover from 1993. Uh, where the journalist Anthony Summers tells the story about this alleged uh, incident where Hoover dressed up like a lady. Um, he quotes the wife of a close friend of J. Edgar Hoover, a woman named Susan Rosensteel, uh, as claiming to have seen Hoover engaging in cross-dressing in the 1950s at an all-male party at the Plaza Hotel uh that her husband, the attorney Roy Cohn, attended along with some young male prostitutes. Um, oh, another that, Hoover biographer corroborated I feel like there's that no story. mistaking that one. I don't know. Um, and yeah, so this is those pictures have never been seen, nor have the pictures that the mafia maybe has. But anyway, it's one of those cases where you add up the facts of his life, and you, you have to wonder what what the heck was going on. Not that it's our business, except that he was very vindictive against uh, other gay men. For instance, Hoover kept a famous sex deviates file uh, that collected the names of suspected or confirmed homosexuals across America that he could blackmail, force out of their jobs, or otherwise humiliate. Hoover also enthusiastically participated in the Lavender Scare, which was a uh, scare sort of like the Red Scare, except it was a, uh, a fear in America during the Cold War that America was being invaded by and subverted by secret homosexuals that were everywhere trying to destroy the nuclear family or who themselves were communists or at the very least were susceptible to blackmail, which made them security risks. And so thousands of government employees who were known to be gay were forced out of their jobs and fired. Yeah, it, 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 if that is true, it, it's kind of wild that one man's struggle with his identity, I guess, might have affected, <laughs> you know, like a country's uh, landscape with crime for decades. You know, it's pretty And wild. it really did. He, he ruled with an iron fist. Um, and I'll, I'll get into that now. I'll tell you more about what he did. So he was obsessed, as I said, with communist subversion in America and kept suspected radicals across the country under surveillance, often illegally. Um, and there is a, a joke that there were so many FBI agents who had infiltrated the American Communist Party that they actually kept it afloat because they were the only ones who paid their party dues. It's a very funny wow. joke. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? I, that deserved a chuckle. I was still kind of having it go through my head, but that, that is pretty funny. It's very good. Um, expanded powers included uh, in 1942, President Roosevelt, uh, out of concern over Nazi agents in the U.S., gave permission for wiretapping of suspected subversive uh, radicals in the country. Um, 
And guess who was all into this certain uh, this new power? It was J. Edgar Hoover. And he then started using this power to wiretap to basically wiretap any perceived enemy, any perceived communist in America. And I assume, you know, he doesn't have to justify it. I think that guy's a communist. Listens in. Basically, yes. There were very few cases where his requests were turned down. Um, It's kind of, I mean, not to bring this up again, but it's kind of funny when you think of like all the fucking complaints about the the truckers were, their, their assets were frozen or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, people, I mean, as though this is a new thing to occasionally use some kind of absolute power to, st- you know what I mean? Like clearly this has been used by e- even in the United States for Absolutely. forever. It happens sometimes. And you know, yeah, I'm not making my point very clear, but <laughs> it's no, just no. funny to compare. There was an actual, a guy who actually had carte blanche to do anything he wanted for decades and you know, taken away our freedom. Eve Ottawa. And yeah. it's like, they've been, you know, So after World War II ends, it ends in a blaze of glory, as John Bon Jovi once sang, uh, with the uh, death of Hitler and the exploding of two big bombs. Um, Hoover now had dreams of expanding the FBI into a global worldwide intelligence service, but the Truman administration surprisingly shut it down, fearing that it would give Hoover way too much power and create an American Gestapo. And who, um, what's his name? Truman. Uh, who you Googled his ass earlier. Mm -hmm. He was particularly freaked about giving Hoover too much power. And he was like, yeah, we can't have a a damn Gestapo in America. That's not like we can't. And it would have been worldwide in Hoover's dream. Yes. Which is, I guess this would have been around the time where the CIA was actually getting going, doing that stuff for real. That'd Um, be crazy. Imagine, you know, we were subject to the FBI all around the world. Yeah. Imagine if you, on vacation in Antigua, mm-hmm. something got stopped and questioned by the FBI because you were having too much fun. Too tan. Too tan. Yeah, <laughs> got a great tan. Uh, I hate to think about it. Sir, is it true you don't love and respect Eric Clapton? <laughs> no, no, I do. I do. I swear. <laughs> so one of the, the most interesting and uh, worst parts of Hoover's legacy is a program called COINTELPRO. Um, From the late 50s, Hoover was frustrated with the Supreme Court getting in the way of his plans to prosecute people for their political opinions. He was like, oh, this is annoying that people have uh, civil liberties and I'm I'm just trying to be Jagger Hoover over here and uh, put them in jail. He established a secret dirty tricks program called COINTELPRO, which was a series of covert and illegal projects aimed at infiltrating, discrediting, and destroying political organizations in America. Well, mostly, mostly communist off the, off the top. And the program targeted members of, uh, yeah, the American Communist Party. And this was interesting, celebrity finger, figures such as Charlie Chaplin, who Hoover feared was spreading communism with his large and hilarious platform, you're kidding. I just know that J. Edgar Hoover is up in heaven right now listening in on Charlie Chaplin's conversations. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's like by the 50s, Chaplin was already like, I don't even think living in America. Like, wasn't he living in Switzerland? And he was like past it. Just well, imagine- I think he had to. Yeah. 
Oh, I he think left. He had to actually leave because of the McCarthyism. Right. So he left there, and it's just funny though because he was still, you know, past his uh, his glory days. And to imagine Hoover just like furiously pacing his office, being like the little tramp. But he made that. But he made that film, <laughs> The Great Dictator, where he basically ends it with the huge impassioned speech about everybody coming together. And for some Americans, I'm sure that looked like communist mamsy pamsy type pandering. Yeah. Even though it was like, there shouldn't be war. There should be love. I hate this and film, The should... Great Dictator. I love Hitler. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. We just I don't need like how parodies The Great Dictator. <laughs> Note uh, to self, clip out Mike saying, I love Hitler. <laughs> Don't Leave it for later. Um, <laughs> Pro's methods included classic stuff like infiltration, burglaries, setting up illegal wiretaps, planting forged documents, spreading false rumors about key members of target organizations, inciting violence, and possibly arranging murders. So they're throwing... Because he was fighting for the freedom of Americans. Yes. Yes. And that's so... how you do it. So I forgive him for all those, you know, trespasses because he was doing it for a good cause. <laughs> wow. So yeah, he's a good guy. So in the FBI, you had J. Edgar Hoover listening in on whoever he wants. And then in the CIA, you had Sidney Gottlieb giving LSD to whoever he wants and killing them. Yeah, it was just a, a wild and, and, time. And Hoover honest. was killing people too, maybe. Yeah. Um, and this was shocking to me. The the program, the COINTELPRO program, remained in place until it was exposed in 1971. So that mm-hmm. was going on. And it was only was exposed. It exposed because of uh Nixon? Uh it was while Nixon was in office, but it doesn't seem to be linked to like the Watergate break-in. It was uh secret right. files were stolen from an office in Pennsylvania. So Hey, that's that's the state that gave us the dead milkman. Ah, <gasps> big lizard in my backyard. <laughs> Was that the document they took? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, Hoover, aside from being uh, a you know virulent anti-communist and. Uh, not be treating the LGBTQ community as it was very well back then. Um, his relationship with African-American civil rights leaders was not very good. If you can believe that he wasn't a big fan of the civil rights movement. Uh, in 1956, for instance, he clashed publicly with the civil rights leader, TRM Howard, who had accused the FBI of not seriously investigating the racist murders of George W. Lee Lamar Smith and the teenager Emmett Till, who was murdered by white racists. And it seems that under Hoover's leadership, yes, um, sort of racist murders or killings of presidents weren't really thoroughly investigated. Um, You could you could say that they were sort of uh, just sort of phoned in. Wasn't really a big priority for him. Sad. Really? So by that. You're saying he he didn't take the JFK assassination super seriously? So he, or you're, you're, you're going to get to that? I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, he he led the investigation. The investigation was led under Hoover, uh, the assassination investigation. And yeah, it was accused afterwards of being pretty, pretty badly carried out and not very thorough. Uh-huh. And do people associate that with the mafia thing? 
I mean, it, there, there you get into all of these. There's a million. What happened? Of, but ideas. he absolutely wanted to make the public believe in the, the lone shooter theory. He wanted everyone to believe that it was Oswald who did it. And he was, he was mad when Oswald was murdered before he could go on trial. Huh? But anyway, back to civil rights for a moment. Uh, mm-hmm. In the sixties, he had agents monitor fan favorites such as John Lennon, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Muhammad Ali. So if you were being followed and tra- you know, uh, had a, a bug on you from J. Edgar Hoover, you're pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. So now it'd be like he'd be following um, who's cool now. Uh, Tame Impala. Yeah, Tame Impala. Little Nas X. (laughs) (laughs) Aquafina. (laughs) Oh, the Italian band Maniskin. Yes. Eurovision winners. Yeah. (laughs) Brittle Star. Um, Um. COINTELPRO also went after groups like the Nation of Islam, the Black Panther Party, uh, and Martin Luther King's Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Um, Martin Luther King, the famous story is that so one of King's top aides was in or had been in the American Communist Party, and Hoover saw that instantly as like, oh, Martin Luther King and the, the Black Civil Rights Movement is a communist project that we have to like destroy. We can't let this take off. We can't like, we can't give an inch here. And there was a famous incident where in 1964, the FBI sent an anonymous blackmail letter to Martin Luther King, urging him to commit suicide. And the letter was accompanied by a recording that purported to be of King, uh, having adulterous sex with a woman. And, uh, this was sent. And they were like, kill yourself or we'll put this out there. The, the message was, you know what to do. Uh, so it was heavily implied. Unbelievable. Yes. There's a whole subgenre to the evil men episodes of like super ultra uptight, repressed conservatives who just don't know how to get loose. You know, it's so true. It it really (laughs) feels like all this would have been avoided if he literally was under our guidance to get loose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do we need to teach? Yeah. yeah. Like, follow us on Twitter. We'll teach you how to chill. Yeah. Jagger. Come with us. You know what? We'll probably rent another cottage this summer and record some episodes. (laughs) Come with us to the cottage. We had a lot of fun. Would that be a funny idea for a movie? It's like, sometimes in life, you get a second chance. And it's Jagger Hoover in heaven, and God calls him, and he's like, I'm sending you back to Earth to get loose. And he's like, I don't know how to get loose. And then we're in charge. Sort of like the last detail. We're going to like show him how to live. We're famously the three loosest, most chill guys (laughs) on Earth. Yeah, first thing God says is, well, first thing you need to do is just say you're gay. And uh, the second thing you need to do is uh, know that I'm not real. Goodbye. And then he disappears <laughs> into a puff of smoke. Hoover just falls out of heaven going, I'm gay! <laughs> yeah. And then we're there with a trampoline to catch him. Yeah. Boing. Whoa, and then bro. someone like yeah finds him in a field or like we find him in a field and we're like Hoover are you uh you just fell all the way from and he's like 
Is the devil real though? That's like the first thing he asks. It's like, <laughs> no, man. Like, fuck. Anyways, it's going to be a lot of work. Don't worry, AJ. <laughs> We're going to teach you how to get real loose. It could be like in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We go with him to the mall and try to get him to speak to girls. And Napoleon yeah. is Sorry, there. Guys, too. Guys. What's that? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, and Napoleon is there too, somehow. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and Socrates and Bill. Yeah, the kid. Socrates, yeah. <laughs> I love it when Socrates goes, geek. The girls call Billy the Kid a geek. (laughs) 69, dude. Yeah. So aside from going after black civil rights leaders, the FBI also was heavily interested in jazz musicians. Uh, They really went after Nat King Cole and tried to nail him for drug possession or being linked to communism. Uh, Also, Billie Holiday, she famously was arrested and cuffed to a hospital bed for possession of drugs, which may have been a, uh, a false charge, but he, they, they really didn't, uh, didn't treat America's jazz musicians very well at the time. Poof, believe it or not. Wow. So just a total excuse to attack Famous black people, it seems like. The picture that emerges is, yes, a man who is very uh, (laughs) racist, ultra conservative. Yeah. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to get J. Edgar Hoover, tie him to a chair, (laughs) force his ears open like uh, they do in Clockwork Orange, but instead of the eyes, make it the ears. Mm -hmm. Get out my radio Uh and put on (laughs) 91.1 Jazz FM here in Toronto. And make him listen to that for the whole day. Turn off the smooth jazz, please. <laughs> I can't take any more of this Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I was scatting in my sleep last night. That's not me. <laughs> so, yeah, he's totally out of control. He's a fucking lunatic, uh, authoritarian. The question now has to be asked, how was he allowed to get away with this? He didn't respect the rule of law, civil liberties, human rights. He's doing all this illegal, uh, you know, surveillance and stuff. Why didn't any of the, you know, eight presidents or 18 attorneys general that he worked under fire him? And the answer is even presidents like Truman, Kennedy and Nixon were too afraid of Hoover because he had dirt on them. He had My famously God. these, these That's secret what I was files. Say, he had pictures of all of them wearing like dresses. <laughs> I like, can't what? believe eight, sorry, eight presidents. Yeah. No, he was there from the twenties to the seventies. It's insane. He created this role for himself and just made it more and more powerful and couldn't be budged because everyone was afraid like what if they see that picture of my dick from when i was in college or whatever <laughs> yeah now we're so desensitized to dick pics it wouldn't matter yeah. um yeah hoover was also known to have kept a large collection uh along with these compromising files uh, a large collection of pornographic material possibly the world's largest collection and he specifically focused on photos of celebrities and this again would be for blackmailing purposes and for his own, he was like the original Mister Mister Skin. Yes. Yeah. Did he ever do anything kind of cool? All right. I think he was known to love dogs, and he had dogs. Oh, well, I'm a dog lover too, so that just lowered him on the evilometer. Can't hate a man me. who loves a dog. So 
Sorry, he had the biggest collection of pornography in the world. He had a lot of celeb celebrity NSFW yes. uh, images. Yeah. Um. Was was this supposed to be like I've got it in a vault so no one else can see it, or was this just like I guess it was his collection? Well, like it was for blackmailing if it was necessary. But also, you got to wonder if you got that big of a collection, like, and also like at the time, like who was who did he have like. Uh, film or nude, nude pictures of like Clark Gable and Rudolph Valentino. Like, who were the yeah. Mary Pickford? Wow, sounds like how Hugh Hefner sort of rose to power too. Yeah, just like publishing yeah. celebrities' nudes and being like ha cha cha. Yeah. All right, so we've learned all about Jay Hager's life. Now let's look at his death. <laughs> <laughs> so when Richard Nixon took office in 1968. J. Edgar Hoover was 74 years old and still the director of the FBI. And a lot of Washington insiders wanted him out because he'd been there since before they were born, basically. But as I said, everyone was too afraid to make him retire. The only one not afraid to make him retire was God in heaven. Because <laughs> May 2nd, 1972, Hoover literally uh, had a heart attack while in office and died at home. So the only... Th- amount was his own damn heart uh in private on hearing that uh hoover had died richard nixon responded by merely saying jesus christ that old cocksucker (laughs) awesome it's pretty pretty cool so cool yeah (laughs) and up to that time hoover was the only civil servant to lie in state in the rotunda of the u.s capitol i think the rotunda was too afraid of the pictures that hoover had of it uh so so that's what happened so there we go uh we talked about his the the question mark of his sexuality um but for better or for worse uh hoover built the FBI into a modern national organization that stressed professionalism and scientific crime fighting. But he also turned the FBI into basically his own private secret police force, as um, as Truman called it, uh, the American Gestapo. And uh, because of Hoover's actions uh, and because they were seen as an abuse of power, FBI directors are now limited to a 10-year term. Hmm. Right. I mean, especially yeah. if you're like a super catty person. Yes. You don't want someone like that in the FBI. <laughs> That's uh, 50 years at a job. Yes. Damn. Yeah. You know, these days, people change careers several times throughout their life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long was Air Farce on TV here in Canada? Probably 30 Thirty years, so even and they been on the radio as- for forty nine years before that. So yes, that yeah, was a, so they was, basically yeah, the same air force comedians have compromising information about all of us too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, wow, fifty but years. Yeah. Hmm. That's the life of uh, little Hoover, who then became Big Hoover, and then Dead Hoover. Mm-hmm. Well, great job, Mike. Uh, yeah, very interesting, thorough, excellent. Put your hands up against mo- the wall uh, where I can see them oh, and spread them. Not again. Oh, I'm spread. All right. Jeez. Relax. Ugh, you really go hard on us anar- jazz-loving <laughs> anarchists, dude. Yeah, man. Chill out. Well, should we uh, evilometer it up? Yes, please. Yes. I have to get to an Easter family dinner. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, Sorry you don't get to do an Easter dinner or birthday dinner, Mike, because you have COVID. 
That's okay. I have an apple that I've been eyeing all day, uh-huh. and uh, I've got a glass of water calling my name as well. <laughs> all right. Did I'm the Easter Bunny up. drop that uh, apple off this morning? Well, he did, but it was just me wearing a little costume. <laughs> <laughs> just for yourself, just to give a little cheer to your day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well... Let's pull out the evilometer either way. Okay, it's just under my desk here. I've got a compact version. Oh, it's oh nice. Very sleek. God. Yeah. Dyson? It's beautiful, hey? B- uh, no, no bows. Oh. Yeah, but it's really aerodynamic. Okay, um, I'm ready to input our scores. Uh, Mike, do you want to go first since you're the leader today? <laughs> Thank you. Um, he seems like a pretty awful guy with all, um, ruining people's lives, deporting people, going after, uh, civil rights leaders, not investigating, uh, racist murders, um, and, uh, hating jazz, you know, not being relaxed. Mm. I'm going to give him a 9.6. Whoa, that's high. Thank you. Um, Chris, do you want to go next? Yeah. I'm going to give him a nine because... He just ruined all of our fuck so many people's lives, man. Damn. Okay. Um, I'm giving him a seven point eight. <laughs> Again, you know, well, you don't like jazz. I, I genuinely, no offense, but I to anyone, but I don't really like it. I don't really get it. Um, the modern Hoover, they call you. Well, yes, they do. Unfortunately. Um, I don't know. I, he definitely sounds terrible, but I just wouldn't quite put him up there with the Hitlers and the, you know, <laughs> guys like that. So that's the only reason why he's a little bit lower. 7.8 is still pretty bad, all, yeah. all things considered. It's closer to 10 than zero. I'll give you that. Exactly. Yeah. So there we go. We close the book on Mr. Hoover and um, we suck him up yep. and uh, put him into our ecto chamber, like in Ghostbusters, <laughs> where we put all the evil men is that what that thing was called, where they suck the ghosts into an yeah, echo chamber? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'd love. I, that'd be neat if we if we could put all the evil men we cover and suck them up and put them into that. Yes, but I just yeah, have, I keep having that nightmare about when it malfunctions and all those ghosts and they just all come out. Yes. Bow, bow. Oh shit! Yeah. You know yeah. what? If we ever did pitch a TV show, that could be the show. We suck all the ba- evil men into an ecto chamber, mm-hmm. and they'll escape, and then we have to get them back in. How about so we call maybe we over- even like shoot them with like nuclear laser guns like the ghostbusters too yeah and we have to chase them <laughs> yeah. around the city yeah and we, we have a big car like in the ghostbusters <laughs> yeah could we call the show ghost suckers <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we all wear white costumes and we're gonna suck you ghosts <laughs> yeah all right well this has been Jeffrey fun Dummer, you guys. we're gonna suck your head off okay yeah this has been fun who are you gonna text Ghost suckers. suckers. Who are you going to suck? Mike, we hope you feel better. We were were joking a little about you having COVID earlier, but genuinely, we all hope you feel better. Thanks. I'm not planning on dying anytime soon, boys. So uh, sorry about that. Hear it. Hear your money. Um, Hope you feel better. Chris, have a fun Easter. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Happy Easter. Sounds like we wrapped up another great episode of... This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 